It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drada, Dundalk and Cavan. Check out the new sporty and spacious Renault Arcana in petrol and full hybrid. Guaranteed delivery, low AP or finance and 48-hour test drive. Visit BlackstoneMotors.ie. You're very welcome to Tuesday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Great to have you with us on the show today. 086-1800-658. I'll just remind you that's the WhatsApp or text number if you'd like to get in touch with us. You know the saying, one good turn deserves another. Well, that's the theme of my first conversation today because we're heading to Ashburn and I'm delighted to say hello again to Giovanna Feely. Hello, Giovanna. Hello, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Now, before you tell us about this, and I love this little story, you have taken in, is the fifth person from Ukraine has joined your family, is it? It is, it is. So we had we had four members from a family in Ukraine, three generations, who came to us on the 8th of April, and the fifth member, for various reasons, was delayed getting out. So the family is now complete, which is just, it's just amazing to see and to be a part of, you know. So how many's uh, in your household now in total? Uh, in total? <laughs> if you don't count fish and chickens and ducks, uh, we have ten. <laughs> we have ten without the animals. Um, and I'll tell you, Jerry, they range, oh, I'm going to give away things I shouldn't give away here now, they range in age from uh, 13 months, so, and the youngest member of the Ukrainian family is 13 months, and they go up to 50-something to a Ukrainian grandmother. Oh, lovely. Our age range, yeah. yeah. Lovely, <laughs> lovely spread of, and the generations there. And, and what, what part of Ukraine have they come from? They're from Odessa. Right, okay, yeah, the port Odessa. of Odessa. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. really in the, at the heart of the, of the conflict at the moment. Absolutely. It certainly Absolutely. is. And, and how, are, how are they settling in? Are they okay? They've settled in great. And, you know, Jerry, just, you know, you said about being at the heart of the conflict, you know, you know, when they arrived and they settled in, you know, I just ventured one day, I said, you know, Odessa hasn't been been shelled much so far anyway. And, you know, what what made you leave? And I just thought this said it all. You know, the, the mother said that for five nights after the start of the war, um, there was constant air raid sirens and herself and the seven-year-old boy slept on the floor at the door and he cried every night all night long because of the constant you know mm. sirens and I thought God that says it all we kind of you know we mm. see pictures of apartments being bombed and cities being destroyed but you know that's the context they're living in so um yeah, very tough, very tough times altogether. Yeah, but they've settled in really, really well. You and know? how is it for your? So it's five and five, five you you of your new family, let me say, and, yeah, and five yeah. of the existing. How is it for yourselves? You know, to have all of a sudden your family doubled and people from another country with different customs, etc. Yeah, it's it's um it's surprisingly fine. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's harder on them or us because we're we're a little bit mad ourselves. And um, goodness, as you know, Jerry, we're we're musicians myself, and my husband, Jeffrey. But the kids are musical. So this morning there was a guitar, there was a ukulele, there was a piano, and there was a concertina brought out. I don't think the Ukrainians knew what hit them, you know. Um, so it's fairly mad. But I'll tell you, Jerry, what what is significant for us that um firstly we've we've a very big kitchen mm. and that has really helped. We have a big table and we pulled out all the extensions of the table. So we all sit down, you know, for meals at the table together and they chat away yeah. um in their own language. We chat away and then we, we chat together at times. So you know, it's as I said to someone, you know some of the restaurants in Dublin like um some of the Oriental restaurants have long benches and you yes. might go in and you'd sit down and there'd be people beside you. It's a little bit like that. Yeah. You know, Wagamama. Um, yeah, well, I didn't want to say what was I allowed saying. Um, I didn't want to say, but you know, we, we we kind of get on with our lives alongside this lovely family with us, and obviously there's a lot of interaction, and it's just 
just a happy coincidence, Jerry. but we get on so well. We seem to have similar values. And, um, you know, they've settled into the house really well. They're very attentive to, you know, little kind of customs or the way we would do things. And we've mm. just settled in so well together, you know. This is wonderful to hear. Now, this is just so joyful what you're going to tell me next, because <laughs> t- t- yeah. tell our listeners the story. You went, went out for a meal. OK, it's, it's, God, it's such a good news story. So I'll, I'll just paint a picture. So the fifth member of the family arrived, uh, let me see, it was late Thursday night, early Friday morning. Um, so obviously there was great joy in our household. So I said, why don't we all go out for a meal to celebrate? So off we went on Saturday evening. Um, we trotted down the town in Ashburn and we went into Massimo's restaurant in Ashburn. Big table, ten of us, baby, everybody there together. And when we sat down, a number of people kind of had a look through this big party coming in. And beside us there was a table of three people. So Jerry, there was a mother, a father and a little toddler boy, beautiful boy with big blue eyes and blonde hair. And he was mesmerised by the kids, you know, five kids at our table. Mm. And um, the mother kind of apologised, lovely woman, and she said, oh, I'm sorry, she said, you know, he loves children and, he, you know, he's always trying to interact with them. So I duly said to mine, I said, go on over and have a chat with that little boy. So my, my four-year-old went over and got bored 30 seconds later and came back. And so I sent my eight-year-old daughter over and she would talk for Ireland. So off she went and she was chatting away um, and our food came, so I called her back. Didn't think anything about it. So we went on with our meal. The couple left at some stage. I have to be honest, I didn't even see that they had left. And then my husband got up um, to bring our two little ones home because it was getting late. So he just went slightly ahead of us as we were finishing the meal, you know. And I said to him, look, you know, on the way out, do you want to pay? That was fine. We were finishing up and my phone rang and it was my husband and I thought, oh, something's wrong now with the two little ones. And he said, you're not going to believe what happened. And I said, what? He said, I went up to pay. And when I got up to pay, the restaurant staff said the couple at the next table had paid for our food. And I said, what? And he said, yes, they had paid for our food. And I said, for, for 10 of us? And he said, yeah. And I said, oh, my God. And, you know, the first thing I thought was, I said, but did you ask the staff who were they? Because a Saturday night they probably had a booking. He said, I did. They said the couple said they did not want to be acknowledged. They didn't want any recognition. Oh, my. Oh, my. Isn't, is, isn't that something else, Jerry? Isn't that? And, and I have oh to say, God. the bill, without going into the nitty gritty, it was a, a substantial bill they covered. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it's not like it was a little party of two or three. There were ten of us. Ten of us now. Well, OK, nine and, and baby, but... Oh my goodness, Jerry! And you know, uh, I was taking this phone call, and I was, I was like this. I was saying, "Oh my God! Oh my goodness! Oh, I can't believe it!" And I, I'm normally quite composed in public, and I, you know, I started to, tears came down my eyes a little bit. The next thing, my eight-year-old, who's very sensitive, burst into tears, and I thought, "Oh God, I better tell her because she thinks there's been an accident or something." So I told her. She burst into tears. Our <laughs> <laughs> Ukrainian family are seriously worried at this stage. So I told them. And they were all in tears. So it was, it was really mm. moving. And you know, Jerry, they cannot get over the generosity of Irish people that we have been flooded with offers of help. Um, you know that I, I run a choir in Ashburn, a fantastic choir, and they were the first people I told because when the family arrived, I kind of suddenly realised, ooh, we don't have a stair gate and we don't have different things. So I put the word out to them. They, they just, they, they couldn't do enough for us. People arrived at every hour of every day, you know, with gift vouchers for the family so they could buy some clothes and things for themselves, uh, for cots, for so on. I'll give you an example. I came home last Friday and there was a big bag of nappies at the door. Mm. <laughs> Don't know who brought them or left them, a fairy godmother. You know, so people are just overwhelmed and, you know, the Ukrainian family, they cannot believe this. They're constantly amazed at how generous Irish people are. It's oh, just amazing. We, I, I've seen this over the years and that's one yeah. thing we have in this country. Our generosity is just unbelievable and unprecedented. And and back to that bill, there was a few hundred euro involved here and there those was. people just paid that money. They just paid it, yeah. Mm. I mean, and you're right, yes, I don't say the amount, but it was a few hundred. Yes. Isn't that incredible? It is. It's it's amazing. And if you're listening today or this rings a bell with you, Massimo's in Ashburn yeah. uh, at the weekend. If you did that, good on you. Thank you so much. You are wonderful, wonderful people. And I know you don't want to be publicly acknowledged, but I want to acknowledge you today and the goodness in your heart. And what I'll say to you, Giovanna, as well is, you've opened up your home and your heart to these people. And you know what goes round comes round. It just shows you, you know, one good turn. Yeah, yeah, 
yeah. I heard you say that before yeah. I come on, and I thought now that's a good turn, and there's a massively mm. good turn. You know, the, the generosity of these people was just something else. But, um, I mean, related to that, Jerry, I'm going to get to plug in now. You know, we're actually doing a concert um, to raise funds for, for local Ukrainian support group in Nashburn on the 12th of June. And just if you want to put a word out of that, it's 12th, Sunday, 12th of June, 7 o'clock in Ashburn Church. We have um, our choir in Ashburn, who are fantastic. Pentatetra String Quartet from Dublin, who are coming out from us. We have Grace Hanley, a lovely, lovely young soloist. She's, um, I was going to say the next Charlotte Church, but maybe that's a disservice to Grace. <laughs> Sorry for Charlotte Church fans. Um, and some surprise guests. And I cannot say who the surprise guests are, but I'd love to tell you another time. Because, um, as you might have seen on the RT News, there are three young um, semi-professional Ukrainian music students who have come to Ireland to the Royal Irish Academy. And that's all I'd say on that. But we have um, we have a very special guest coming. So you know, again, just to just to maybe say that to people, if they want to support, we're saying to people, if you can't come to the concert on the twelfth of June, if you want to log on to Eventbrite Gala Concert for Ukraine, if you want to just buy a few tickets as a as a support, you know, because um, I mean, what's happening is, is surreal, isn't it? Really? Ah, uh, yes. You now you you turn on the news and you can't believe this is happening. No, no, and and actually, you know, it's in a way it's slipping a little out of focus in the news. You know, the yeah, way yeah. things go because of. Of other matters as well uh, and you can see that but what is going on there is horrendous and I keep yeah. saying it it needs to stop and stop soon Gala Concert for Ukraine 12th of June Ashburn Church Eventbrite.ie uh, and you can support whether you're going or not I love your story and <laughs> Thank you thank for joining you. me today to tell it. Thank you. Thanks, Jerry, And thank you to those wonderful, kind people. I hope yes. that our thanks gets to them. Please God it will. Thank you, Giovanna. Thank you, Jerry. Mind yourself. Take care Bye. now. Bye-bye. Bye. Giovanna Feely there. Five of a family. She has doubled the size of her family in Ashbourne. Isn't that a lovely touch to have the meal paid for? I just love that. It's brilliant. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Back in a moment. In bingo lingo... What's the nickname for number 17 in Bingo Lingo? The nickname for the number 17, please. I have a ball of radio uh, bingo books here. Double books on my desk. Two winners today on late lunch. Number 17, the nickname, please. And we'll pick two people before the end of the show. And you'll be a chance of winning thousands and thousands on our LMFM radio bingo. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me now. Louise, isn't that just the loveliest story of Giovanna Felix? It's fab. And, mm. and want... for such a big table, oh, oh, as she said. Ten. Unbelievable. I have to tell you a little ditty of mine. Before pandemic, myself and Miriam went to Donegan's one Friday evening for our tea. We love to go out there and have some tea from time to time on the Friday. And uh, on our way in, <laughs> I saw someone I knew and his daughter and we said hello. And we went to our table and we had our dinner uh, and a drink, I think, as well. And we finished up and I went up to pay. And Louise, when I went up to pay, the guy said, that's been paid for. Aww. Just like happened to Giovanna. And you know who that man was? Who? Tony Duffy. Oh, our own Santa Claus. Tony Duffy and his daughter were there and Tony paid. And you know something, Louise? Mm. I was really... The wind was taken out of my sails. Mm. I could not believe... Loveliest feeling, I'd say. It was the loveliest feeling. The loveliest... Audrey was with Tony and... He paid. And I can tell you what it meant. I can only understand Mm. what that might have meant to, you know, Giovanna and yeah. our family as well. Anything like that ever happened to you, you know, we out about or things like that? Or yeah, I came into work this morning and there <laughs> on my desk was a bottle of wine or sauce. So I think it was a good deed from you, Jerry, or else it was to <laughs> shut me up about complaining I couldn't find it. <laughs> Have you tasted it yet? Yeah, I did, yeah. Is it the real McCoy? I, I think so. I, I'll need to get a bit of fish on the way home and uh-huh. just smother it in my wire or sauce. You see- I couldn't find it for ages. <laughs> You see, Louise said to me yesterday, <laughs> I can't get the original YR sauce. There's a few variations, but I love YR sauce. So I just happened to be up in Every Little Helps yesterday after work and I spotted it tucked in a bit. And it is the red label. I know it says spicy mm. on it, but I believe it's the original of, of the species. And I just said, oh, shall I pick up a bottle? And I left it on a table and she arrived in. All smiles. And oh, I, I love hope, it. Thank hope you. you enjoy your fish this evening. Fish but- and tom- uh, potatoes. <laughs> Drowned in YR sauce. <laughs> now, I have to say, you love YR. Uh, you know me, Heinz tomato sauce has been well, number one. Well, I love one. tomato ketchup as well, but YR on potatoes. 
is the business, is it? Mm. HP, yes, I love no. that. There's a bit of a kick in HP. You don't go for that at all. Chef, do you know the Chef brown sauce? Mm. Do you like Chef? Mm, too fruity. Is it? I, to me, anyway, yeah. Okay, too fruity. I'll have to go in and taste a little bit of that in a spoon I'll in a put, minute. Yeah. Just, just remind <laughs> me again of what why our sauce tastes like. But I'm sure people listening today seriously have... From Good have have their own yeah. story about you know somebody just doing something like that like to to pay for it. when when you go up and you don't have to pay the bill my god it is just something else but I'm Jerry sure. like it doesn't have to be a bill even just somebody mm. if you are arriving in a car park and somebody that's pulling out just pops their thing and says there's my ticket there's yes. forty minutes left yes something simple like that can make such a difference to someone's day and and that's happened to you. Mm, loads of times and it's I happened think, to me yeah. as well I often I, I remember it and parking and, and I remember a lady in one particular case coming over to me and saying w- could you use that ticket I've only stayed a few minutes and I actually paid for the mm. full amount and I said are you sure not at all take it there with you and some That's people actually stay touch. in their car until they see somebody <laughs> coming, coming to along. give the ticket rather yeah. than waste it yeah you know or, yeah they're brilliant uh, I, I remember being in a shop one day and uh, there was a, a young lad in front of me and he hadn't the money to pay for what he'd got but I paid for it for him. Oh, that was lovely. No, because I'd love if somebody did that to a young person in my family and helped them out when they found themselves in something like that. I mm. paid because, you know, little things like that. I think those are the real, what would you say, the real essence of life and love and family and community and everything. Little touches like that mean so, so much to people. And, you know, if you ever get a chance to mm. do it, do it. Just go and do it. And like that, it might be something just uh, here to you, but to somebody yes. else, you don't know what they're going through. Oh, absolutely. None of us know. We look at people on the periphery, but we're never sure what actually mm. is deep down within somebody. Anyway, if you have anything mm. to tell us about uh, something like the story you've heard from Giovanna, my own with Tony, Louise with the park and ranting. Let us know. The sauce. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going out for dinner tonight. Are you? No, no, I'm not. But I just thought I'd throw it out there <laughs> in case anybody felt generous. <laughs> yes, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. You can get in touch with us on the show. One more time. Okay, I will just for you. The, what's the question for the bingo? For the bingo books today on late lunch, I want to know the nickname in bingo lingo for the number 17, 086-1800-658. Coming up after two on the show, Karina Melvin is joining us. She knows all all about the science of artful eating no diets none of that type of thing eat what you like and you can control your weight and everything else besides she's going to tell us more about it anyway heading towards news and weather top of the hour two o'clock here they are it's the hothouse flowers and they're singing our anthem on late lunch at this time don't you go anywhere stay with us on lmfm radio and your late lunch here's the flowers taking us up to two o'clock top of the hour Fresh cut grass and it's filling up my senses And the sun is shining down on the blossoms in the avenue I so enjoyed my next guest last time round. She joined me on the publication of her brilliant book called Artful Eating and she's back today on the cusp of Artful Eating summer seminars happening beginning in early June. I'm delighted to say hello again to Karina Melvin. Hello Karina. Hello, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good and it's great to chat to you again. Karina, diet is dead. Don't deny ourselves the food we love. That's the mantra, is it? It really is. It really is. And I think, if anything, the reason I wanted to talk to you is because I was so aware over the pandemic how many people became not only anxious and realistically anxious about what was going on, but also people were putting on weight. Um, and so there was the waiting to be allowed out. There was the weight piling on. Um, and I just was so struck by how we really have this all wrong, how we approach food and how we approach our bodies. Um, and we need to change the conversation. Well, you know something? Um, you're so right, because I think people comfort it, number one. Uh, I know we were restricted in the distance we could go and exercise maybe fell a bit off the radar. And people were struggling. You know this. In yes. in, in our minds, we were struggling, yes. Karina. Yes, absolutely. And I think that food can and should be this source of pleasure, this opportunity for joy, um, as well as a, a source of nourishment. But that we seem to have come at it in a way where we overeat or overindulge and miss out actually on 
true moments and opportunities for pleasure. And that's mainly not necessarily what we eat, although that's part of it, but it's more how we eat and how we approach eating. So sometimes we'll eat something and say, ah, sure, I deserve it, or I'll treat myself, or I'm bored, or this is the one nice thing I can do. And then quite quickly afterwards, and I'd say this will probably resonate with your listeners, we then feel really frustrated or guilty or disappointed or a little bit sick because we feel that we've maybe overeaten. Um, And I just think if we tweak or reframe how we approach food and how we approach the food that we eat and what we eat and how we eat, that that can be a really pleasurable experience without the guilt, without the disappointment and without the discomfort. Now, I'm going to come to that in a moment. Uh, good food is important, though. That goes without saying, you know, that we're not hooked on, uh, you know, the fast food, processed foods, loads of sugar, all that type of thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that it's challenging, right, because we get so many messages about what we should eat. But really, our body is the most uh, powerful message that we can have. You know, our body knows what really genuinely tastes good. And, and you know this with kids, when you give them strawberries that are in season, they just gobble them up and they're disappeared because they taste so good. Uh, and I think if we start from that place of what tastes good and really thinking about it, just taking, taking something, I think a really great exercise actually is to take a fourth ground tomato. And I know you love growing your own, Jerry, mm-hmm. but take a fourth ground tomato that you buy in the supermarket and then take a tomato that has had its time to grow and taste the two of them. And I guarantee you, you'll taste such a difference. And so if we're more considered and uh, intentional about the food we eat, what we find is that we eat less. There's more flavor. There's more nutrition. Um, and we're much less likely then to go and gobble up the synthetic foods or the overly processed foods because our taste buds gently change and shift. We start to taste those things after tasting a really good food and we don't want them. We just don't want them. So what we eat is very important. And you're right that uh, you can't be, and I'm lucky myself, I grow and especially uh, spring, summer and autumn, I have plenty of produce that we tip away with ourselves and it is just gorgeous. But will you address the points of why and how we eat? Those two areas, please. Okay, absolutely. So why we eat, often people who struggle with feeling at ease in their bodies, they tend to eat because they're bored or emotionally they're struggling, or they have a craving. So there's a lot of psychological components to it. You, you, people who talk about feeling unhappy in their body will always say to me, you know, it's not because I was hungry. You know, it's rare that the hunger is the thing that leads to people feeling ill at ease or mm. uncomfortable around food. And to be honest, Jerry, I think life is too short. It's too short for us to be worrying about what we're eating, when we're eating, how we're eating, or controlling our eating, right? So the why is a problem. And then how we eat, well, often we eat. And if I ask someone, what did you eat yesterday, for example, they might really struggle to remember because often we don't eat without really paying attention to it. And there's a lot that goes in there that we're not thinking about or we gobble it up and feel bad afterwards. So instead to start thinking, that's what I'm going to talk about on the summer seminars, I want to, first of all, prioritize pleasure. So when you start from that point of, I want to enjoy this, Mm. already you're thinking about what you're eating and you're thinking of eating something you're going to enjoy. Even if it is the jellies, if you are thinking, I'm going to enjoy these jellies, you're automatically going to be much more attentive to them. Now, I wouldn't be necessarily advocating for jellies, but whatever it is that you want to eat, prioritizing pleasure. So you're going to take your time. You're going to taste it. You're going to slow down. You're going to chew it. As soon as you do that, you're going to get a lot more flavor. Also, if you prioritize pleasure, you're, you'll find that you don't need to eat when you're not hungry because you can't really enjoy the food if you're eating when you're not hungry. Mm. So just, number one, think about pleasure. If you take anything, if anyone takes anything from our chat today, pleasure, I'm going to enjoy this. Automatically, that starts to change your perspective and your idea. So the why, the why I'm very interested in because I'm like that. If I'm bored evening time, I'll eat, Karina. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Boredom yes. to me and food, I just eat. And I, I probably don't need it. So the idea is what? To, to occupy yourself. Yes. And so the thing is, and I have, there's four, there's four things I like to think about with food. I like to think about prioritizing pleasure, right? And, and listen, nobody's going to get this straight away. So sometimes we'll eat something 
and we'll say to ourselves, I'm going to enjoy this, and then you will. And sometimes you'll eat something and you'll forget to enjoy it. And that's okay. Next time, enjoy it. Then I'm going to think about ethics. And you kind of touched on it in terms of we should be eating good quality food, right? Or we should be eating nourishing food. Just holding that in your mind, not with like a stick to beat yourself with, but when you're going doing your shopping to think, okay, where does this come from? Is this going to taste good? Um, uh, Is this going to nourish me? Um, And just holding that notion in your head, vegetarians and vegans already have an ethics about their food that shapes what they buy and what they eat. And if each one of us sits down and thinks about that ourselves, it empowers us to make healthy decisions that suit us where we are right now, okay? Where we are with our budget, where we are with our mood, that kind of thing. And then, and this speaks to what you're saying there, Jerry, about the packet of biscuits in the evening, structure, right? So if you organize yourself such that you're supporting a good ethics around food and prioritizing pleasure, and what I mean by that is making sure you have good food in the house. Um, and making sure that you think about the food you're going to eat tomorrow. What am I going to eat? Looking forward to it. Eating nourishing food. When you start thinking like that, you'll find that you're much less likely to have a binge or a nibble in the evening because you're already in this positive, organized mode of thinking about food, Mm. right? Where you're in charge and where you're you're listening to your body and you're enjoying what you're eating. Okay, so that's structure. And yep. um, when we think about the blue zones, are you familiar with the blue zones, Jerry? No, go on. So the blue zones are those areas of the world where people live longest. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So they don't rely on willpower, okay? They absolutely don't. Their lives are set up to eat well. They have access to good food. They get out and go and see their friends. They have a glass of red wine every day. They enjoy their lives. Now, we don't live in a blue zone, but if we just start to think, how can I set up my lifestyle? How can I set up my day and my rhythm? How can I organize myself, like planning my meals for on a Sunday to Wednesday and then Wednesday to Friday so I know what I'm going to eat and I'm looking forward to it and I know I'm going to enjoy it and I know what dessert I'm going to have. Suddenly there's all these positive associations with food. Like, I think it's mad the way we approach this issue of obesity from a really controlled, negative, problematic way, when food absolutely can be the most enjoyable thing that we do and creative thing that we do every day. Oh, it sure is, because we get together, it's convivial, we enjoy company. Yes, yes. And the blue zones, that's what goes on there. Mm. And they also recognise that it's not just about what we eat, it's about how we feel. And that leads into the final principle that I have, which is your image or your ideal. Oftentimes, we have an image and we use that as a stick to beat ourselves with. I wish I looked like that or I don't look like that um, or I need to do more of this. Instead of creating um, an environment where you're very conscious of what you bring into your orbit. You know, our mind is so porous. What we listen to, what we see on our phone feed or our computer feed, um, you know, the things that we can do in our lives, lighting a candle, putting some fresh greenery in a vase, setting the table, taking care of our bodies, having a bath or a nice shower in the evening, like really thinking in an imaginary way about how to feel good now in these small little gentle ways, um, as opposed to reaching for food to make us feel good or Mm. to give us you know, that hit or kick of boredom release. And so so those four things together, pleasure, your own personal ethics, setting up and structuring your life to support living and feeling well, whatever that is for you, gardening, going for a walk, making sure you've your food ready and delivered, you get your food delivered in, you know, from Tesco, and then creating an environment, the clothes you wear, the home you're in. And these are big, massive overhaul things. It's just little tweaks that we can make in our home today to feel good now. And when you're, when you're thinking in that way, and I know it's a lot to take, Jerry, to kind of process it all, but when we're thinking in that way, we do not reach for food for comfort. We do not reach for food for emotional reasons in the same way or at the same frequency as we might have in the past. You make the points eloquently and they're so valid as well and they all tie together. Just a question, is your Artful Eating book still available? It is, it is, of course, and it's all in the book. 
Um, and the thing with that book is it's one that my clients and people write to me all the time. I reread it and I got something new from it because it's not, we come at this problem in a way that's very simple. We talk about calories in and calories out and exercise. But as you're kind of getting from the chat today, this is a whole lifestyle approach. Mm. Yes, and that's the big message that you uh, have always spoken about and continue. And it, it is it is so true. And uh, the negativity around food is shocking, and it just uh, really drives it in in the other direction. Tell me about the sem- tell me about the seminars. When are they beginning, and how can people find more information? So the seminars are starting on the sixth of June live, which you can listen back. So they're on Zoom. You can either join live or watch back at your leisure. Um, and they're every Monday night for six weeks. And if people are interested, you can go on over to artful-eating.com and all the information is there. And if people are don't have the money or are struggling, get in touch with me. Um, I want everybody to have access to this. I'm very happy to make sure that it's accessible to whoever has an interest in doing it. Fantastic. I wish you well. I love your philosophy. I think it's all-encompassing. And if we could adopt this round our neck of the woods in this country and the world and beyond, yeah. it would be such a better, better place. artful eating.com to find out more information about Karina and the seminar starting the 6th of June. Lovely to talk to you again. Oh, You've so nice to talk to you, Kerry. Take, Take care. care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye, that's Karina Melvin there. And uh, I, I remember her book at the time and I read it and it made an impression on me. And she's uh, certainly someone who knows uh, the, you know, the ins and outs and the ills and uh, positives of the whole area of uh, managing our food consumption, our ways and our lifestyles. Late lunch, LMFM radio after the break. It's time for your two on Tuesday. At this time on Late Lunch each Tuesday we play a song for you that made it to number two in the charts the UK charts that is Top of the Pops and all that you know what I'm talking about anyway today's song is one of the ten most controversial songs of all time oh yes it is I am going back to 1977 when Queen Elizabeth II celebrated her silver jubilee 25 years on the throne and it's timely this week as she celebrated Celebrates her platinum jubilee, 70 years on the throne this weekend. This song was banned by the BBC, an independent broadcasting authority. And you know, it made number two, but many people still believe, all these years later, that the charts were actually fixed and it should have been number one. Yes, it's the Sex Pistols and God Save the Queen. Oh, Louise, I think I've enough of it. <laughs> Even though the punk rock fraternity are just out there banging their heads left, right and centre. What do you think of it? I think that chap needs an anodin. <laughs> <laughs> or I do. <laughs> yes, you're two and two. It's the sex pistols. I'd say there's dogs around kitchens doing head banging too. <laughs> I can hear them out there. It's absolutely brutal, wasn't it? Uh, brutal. Yeah. No, genuinely. No the moments, I have to say, it was. <laughs> I think it was admitted years later that actually the. Uh, the really? Prolet- yeah, yeah. I think it was actually uh, man- engineered that it would not make number one in the charts. Really, yeah. It, it did sell most and should have been number one for at least a week in May 1977. But, you know, the powers that be worked the oracle and kept it off the number one spot it only ever made number two so there you are a famous one and it was one of the ten most controversial songs and still regarded of all time using the words of the uh, UK or the English National Anthem and uh, (laughs) coming out with that stuff there anyway You'll be glad to hear <laughs> that there was a half decent song kept it off the top. So, well, actually, really, because the song that kept it off number one was a double A side from Rod Stewart, which contained two songs. The first cut is the deepest, and oh, this okay. one, Louise, which we all love, don't we? Mm-hmm. Ah, we do. Let's hear it. The number one that kept the Sex Pistols off the top spot. Here he is, Mr. Rod Stewart. 
and the first cut. Enjoy. We're going to enjoy this one, aren't we? We've calmed you don't down. Talk about the dogs it. aren't howling anymore. <laughs> the punks have switched off. Don't and we're back <laughs> to Joanne 44. I can tell by your eyes that you probably been crying forever. And the stars in the sky don't mean nothing to you. Steve is right, I think. He says, Jerry, the charts weren't fixed. That song is just... Sh- uh, you know what he's going to say. <laughs> Begins with SH. I, mean, I couldn't disagree with you, Steve, to be honest. All the listeners saying, thank God, Jerry, that Rod Stewart song is way better. Yes, it is. I know it is. I know it is. Just spun the other one because of the week that's in it. 70 years. She was 25 years on the throne back then. You're going to hear lots about it over the coming days as Queen Elizabeth celebrates her jubilee on Friday. Late lunch, LMFM radio. After the break... We're joined by Meath's Paralympic archer, Kerry Leonard. My next guest hails from Culmullen in County Meath. She's a Paralympic athlete. She's participated and competed at three World Archery Championships. And most recently, well, she lived the dream. She was part of the Irish team at the Paralympics in Tokyo. I'm delighted to say hello this afternoon to Kerry Leonard. Afternoon, Kerry. Hi, Kerry. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining me on the show. Now... Uh, our Louise spotted this. Um, you, you're a woman who travels. Besides your sport, you're, you love going different places, bar the pandemic, of course, same for all of us, I, 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 in the world and Europe especially. You were in Porto recently. Tell us about your experience, because, of course, you are a wheelchair user. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just back from Porto. I was there at the weekend, so managed to avoid the... Uh, the mayhem that was uh, Dublin Airport over the weekend, I got out just before that. But, um, yeah, I travelled to, to Porto and, uh, you know, for me, I uh, probably should prepare a lot more because I use a wheelchair. But um, uh, a group of friends wanted to go uh, to Porto, so we just said we'd go. And then I realised once I arrived, it wasn't particularly wheelchair friendly. <laughs> So you struggle to get round the city. Is that basically it? Yeah, well, fundamentally, uh, it was quite hard to... It was very hilly, a lot of cobblestones. Uh, For the most part, when I travel around Europe or old cities, I expect there to be a lot of cobblestones. Mm. So that wasn't that much of a shock. But uh, the hills were, I mean, in... In, in order to point, they probably shouldn't be because uh, I'm pretty sure Porto makes up part of the Camino Trail. But uh, but yeah, the hills were were particularly challenging. Uh, thankfully, I'm more or less fit enough to to get around. Mm. But um, I did need to depend on uh, on who I was travelling with to, to help me okay. at different parts of the city. Uh, and one of the most challenging, would you say, you've ever visited? Yeah, it would be. I mean, I've been to other places around the world. It's, uh Copenhagen before Christmas. That equally was, uh, there was a lot of cobblestones and it wasn't uh, that accessible, but it was, I could get around. Yeah. The, uh, and then, you know, for obvious reasons, um, I the Great Wall of China wasn't particularly that accessible a couple, <laughs> when I travelled to Beijing a couple of years ago. Yes. Um, but for the most part, most cities around Europe are pretty modern, but where they try to hold on to their heritage, that's quite challenging as a wheelchair user. Yes, so that's it. The historical parts of places are more difficult. But in general terms, accessibility to build, uh, buildings, travelling about the modern ends of cities and that very good lots of uh, accessibility there yeah for the most part I mean like I said uh, Copenhagen um, both Copenhagen and Porto most recently um, a lot of European cities tend to have steps 
against them for, mm. I think, for flood reasons, you know, from a historical point of view. So that's quite difficult. But um, but usually a lot of the cities are uh, are flat. Yeah. What about airline access? How do you find that? Yeah, I think that's actually the most straightforward public transport that I I take, to be honest with you, you know. Yeah. Um, once you know uh, exactly what the process is, it's very simple. Dublin Airport has um, their partner OCS. They have um, they have an area in Dublin Airport, so you just tell them before you yes. uh, before you go through the departure gates that, for in my instance, I just need assistance on the plane so I can travel to the airport independently. Mm. Um, and then they meet me at the gate and get me onto the onto the flight, and then um, on the opposite side where I land, uh, the same happens. It's yes. more challenging in Ireland, I would say. Uh, trains are quite frustrating, as well as um, bus errands as well. That's um, I would that is particularly mm. um, frustrating. Dublin bus is great, and the Lewis is great, but we have a long way to go when it comes to train transport, and then the um, really prehistoric idea that you need to book uh, bus errands tw- uh, twenty four hours before you plan to travel somewhere and I'm much more um, what's where I'm looking for uh, impetuous than, than putting in plans yes, for, yes. for 24 hours in advance Okay, yes, you, you make decisions on the hoof and you like to be able to, like uh, many people do. Do you know what I'm thinking? And I saw you mentioned it in, in one of your comments. You should uh, pursue this whole area of reviewing travel to European cities and transportation in this country. I see an opportunity here for you. Do you? Well, I tell you what, Jerry, if you find someone who wants to hire me for that, I am... More you're than happy to, to go along free. and travel to the sun for free. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, good on you for posting this and, and letting people know about Porto and mentioning Copenhagen there as well. Just to keep that in mind, it's something that people should keep in mind when travelling. Um, anyway, back to the archery and you. What was Tokyo like? A dream come true? Yeah, Tokyo was, was amazing. It was something that I'd worked towards for... A number of years I had tried to qualify for the Rio cycle which didn't quite work out and I had worked um, for the London Olympics and Paralympics mm. um, not as an athlete I was physically working uh, during the games but for for Tokyo you know it was a, a long uh, number of years work to get there uh, you know upsetting for for my family and those that supported me that they couldn't go and also experience uh, the games but I had the most amazing time and and it was a real bonding experience for for myself my other competitors as well as uh, Team Ireland as well. Has wet the appetite I'm sure has a little closer to home Paris next time round you want to be there? I do well it's the one language I can I can speak a little bit so I'd be uh, be definitely uh, making my way to, to qualifying for Paris and back in training now after Taking a couple, uh, taking a bit of time after coming back from from Tokyo. Mm. Why archery? How did you go down this road, or why, or what influenced you? Yeah, with the archery, it's it's. I don't know if there was a particular uh, want in me to do archery. Um, I was introduced to it when I was in secondary school. My uh, my uncle knew somebody who was in a wheelchair and invited me to go along to to try it out and um, I did but I shelled it for a number of years I went to boarding school so I I shelled it until I went to college and I ran into a friend of mine who was doing archery and just asked me to sign up for it and again I wasn't taking it that seriously but I dropped out of my first year of college and I found myself in a very dark place and I in order to keep myself on, you know, an even keel and not um, spiral further, I decided to go to something that was consistent and going to be regularly on. And so I, uh, I chose to go, you know, frequently to the the archery sessions um, when I was in DIT. And then I was recognised by the uh, by a friend 
of mine who was involved with the, the para side of, of archery in Ireland and invited me to go to my first international competition in the UK just before the London Olympics. And I could see what the I could see what the standard was and where I needed to be in order to qualify for a game. And it's something that spurred me on over the last couple of years to really uh, put the energy in and qualify, which I did last year. Good on you. Good on you. What is it? You must be very steady of hand. Are you? you must have a deadly eye, a deadly gaze. Is it those two combined are the essence of being a good archer? Uh, it actually isn't. It's not. Uh, a lot of these things are, uh, you know, when you get to a high enough standard, you get beyond the, the fitness side of things and it really is mental. Mm. So it's got a lot around the psychology aspect of um, of remaining calm under pressure or if you do have adrenaline to really embrace it and use it to your advantage. So for me... Um, during the qualifying cycle of Tokyo, I actually um, started a master's, so I didn't have a lot of free time right. uh, for physical training. So I really threw myself into psychology, and I found that that was far more effective in the grand scheme of things than just panicking about not having enough time to get fit and able. You know, you need to be mentally strong at the right time. And uh, tell me this, um, in terms of putting in time when you are, you know, trying to qualify, heading into competition, what does that involve? Yeah, so that really does involve setting aside the time, you know, the man who made time made plenty if you're if you're smart about it. So I really do make a, a conscious effort to put in time to train every day during the uh, or throughout the week and then during the winter I have a device to be able to train indoors so I'm not uh, I'm not stopped by the weather which is a big feature in Ireland um, so it's just getting in that uh, that side of things so that your fitness stays at a particular level and making sure that you're peaking at the right time Mm. It's uh, all this. Uh, uh, so many things come together, and it's quite obvious, uh, you know, to achieve a standard and then com- compete a- at the level. Between now and Paris, uh, what's happening uh, competition-wise for you? What What are your aims? Have you big aims in between? Mm-hmm. So for for between now and Paris, which isn't uh, that long, uh, isn't that long to, to go. I will be spending this this summer going to competitions here in Ireland to get the scores to be eligible to go mm. to international competitions. And then I'll focus next year, which will be a qualifying year, on going to, to competitions internationally and getting the spot. Very good. Wish you all the very best. We all hope you do make that qualification for Paris and you can go and speak the lingo, as you said, and review. No, you won't be reviewing. You'll be all on about competition and all that's to be done. But well done on on what you've raised here, you know, from your experience in travel as well. It's really, really, really interesting. And you've done a real service, I have to say. Good luck for the future. And thank you for joining me on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. Have a great day. You take care. Bye-bye. That's Kerry Leonard there from Colmullen in County Mead, Paralympic athlete and archer looking to qualify for Paris. And interesting what she had to say about other European cities and the accessibility. You heard what she had to say here in Ireland. Erin uh, O'Daren uh, need to have a listen to what she had to say there in particular. Late lunch, LMFM Radio, still to come on the show. Of course, I have a song from We Will Rock You, my featured soundtrack this week. Week. And Kieran Phillips, he's been with us from time to time over the years. He's a dance hall in his house. He has, believe me, and you'll hear about it. Won't you stay with us here on Late Lunch on LMFM Radio? I'm going to ask you anyway, but it's a waste of time. Uh, y- do you watch Britain's Got Talent? No. So you're still on Murder, she wrote. <laughs> And Midsummer Murders, yeah. And Midsummer Murders. And all. I know you love those, the detectives and that, but Britain's Got Talent, the finals are on this week, or semi-finals. They've had loads of weeks of heats, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's live now and there'll be a winner. 
and whoever wins will perform for the Queen at the Royal Variety Performance. Anyway, it's very good. I I, I have to say, I watched it on and off, but the, this week with the, the best uh, who went through all performing, God, there was a Japanese magician last night and he was in the final three, but he didn't make the top two. He really should have, to be honest with you. He was just, and you know me and magic, I just love it. Anyway, uh, Louise... they ever get in like that, those magicians? It's always singers, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's very... Actually, a, a singer topped the, the bill last night and, and went through and danced through are there as well but anyway that's just as an aside but he, here's something Louise and, and you are someone you smoked in your lifetime didn't you you did, did at one stage a lot. did you see that the numbers smoking are on the rise since the pandemic I can't believe that mm. I thought finally mm. we might yes. kind of have eradicated it yes and I know somebody who's gone back on them as well and, oh, and disgusted about it honestly yeah, after he gave them up and How back long was on he them, off again. them eight years oh wow how long are you off the smokes? Uh, 15 years since the 2nd of April. This is bad news. Um, and, you know, I have to say, they're, they're no good for you. No good for anybody, to be honest with you. Did you ever feel like having a smoke again no. in the interim? No. Ever? Did you never feel at, at a, a crisis point in your life and a reach? Because this is what somebody else told me. Oh, a bit of a crisis, I reached for them and started again after eight years. See, I got, I got hypnotised. You see, that's, you know, hypnotised. And I remember I was actually pregnant at the time and I thought, mm. that's it, want to give up. And after I had the baby, about a year later, I went out at different events or whatever with friends and they were smoking and I kind of went, mm, yeah, go on, give us give us one, you know. I just I just couldn't put it up to my mouth. Just couldn't. Simple as that. Mm, and, and now, even if I could, I just wouldn't be bothered. Why would you? You're way past it at this oh, stage. Oh, yeah. You'll never, ever... The price of them. Again, yeah. The Look detriment, the mental effects to your health. Like, why would you bother? I don't know. I, I never smoked in my life, so I don't know what it's about. Thank God I never mm, you're did. lucky. Never, ever. I never took a puff of a cigarette or anything in my life. I have no interest in it ever in my lifetime. Oh. If I got up in the middle of the night, I'd have to have a cigarette to go back asleep. Oh, no, really? Mm, I was that bad, yeah. But 20, Louise, 30 a day. Louise, you know, if you're indoors and the smell in your clothes and in the house yes, and everything. Yes, now, but when you're smoking, you don't... You don't notice that smell. Oh, you got Unless you literally put an ashtray up to your nose. Listen, <laughs> you got to notice it. It's just shocking. It's terrible. It's everything. You know what I mean? Anyway, uh, you're off them and stay off them as well. Sorry I'm to hear that. I'm, I am surprised to Yeah, numbers, numbers on the way. Give them up. Give them up. Anyway, my bingo books are beside me. I did ask you what was the nickname... Uh, for the number 17 I'll tell you who's one after three but Sherlock the nickname is Dancing Queen let's have some ABBA to take us towards three o'clock on the show yes the number 17 in bingo the bingo lingo for 17 is Dancing Queen thanks to everybody we've lots of entries we'll pick two tell you the winner stay with us in late lunch news weather and sport on the way after Avatar ABBA Louise and I were talking about uh, the trend upwards in smoking in this country since the pandemic. Kevin's been on to us from Carlingford. Jerry, I smoked 100 to 120 cigarettes a day, major. Worked out that would be costing me €14,000 a year at the moment. I was hypnotised 12 years ago and never looked back. Well done to you, Kevin. Same as our Louise with the hypnosis. Hasn't smoked since. That's That just puts it in perspective, doesn't it? And Michael Duffy. Hello, Michael. Good to hear from you. On late lunch, we sent Michael and some others to the Alan Carr way of giving up smoking many moons ago. And Michael's been in touch to say, I'm still off them, Jerry. Good on you, Michael. Top man. Great to hear from you on the show this afternoon. Also, I want to extend my congratulations to an avid listener of LMFM and the show here, Oshin McCourt. Well done, Oshin. Believe you uh, have uh, done so well in your studies this year. Journalism, Digital Media and PR Student of the Year at Dunboyne College. Congrats to you. Wish you well for the future. Now our winners of the Bingo Book 17, Dancing Queen is the answer I was looking for, are Kevin Corrigan and Lisa Noon. Books on the way to you. Good luck. Hope you win the jackpot. Wouldn't it be great to give away the books on late lunch and then somebody to win the jackpot prize? That'd be a story and a half. It certainly would. Now my soundtrack this week is from the musical We Will Rock You. 
all about Queen, of course. If you haven't seen We Will Rock You, basically just in a few words or lines, it's set 300 years into the future when Earth has been renamed iPlanet and controlled by the Global Soft Corporation. Not entirely unbelievable in 2022, to be honest. The suppression of the masses and music on iPlanet, planet Earth, which is considered evil and revolutionary. That's the uh, music, of course. There's a prophecy that there are still musical instruments hidden on the planet somewhere, harking back to a time when music was the soul of life, as it is today. Eventually, the instruments are found. The Bohemians, as they're called, and free spirits who still hark back to that great time. They hack into the Global Soft Network and everyone on the planet hears the music and songs of liberation. Far-fetched maybe, I say again, but a musical journey like no other and one to see when it returns to Dublin. It will come back to Dublin someday, I promise you. Or you can catch it abroad at the moment or in the UK where We Will Rock You is on tour at this point in time. Summing up the desire of the human spirit the world over, today's song captures it absolutely perfectly. I want to break free. From the musical We Will Rock You, my featured soundtrack this week, I Want to Break Free. More from Queen tomorrow, round about this time. Final break of the day on Late Lunch. And Kieran Phillips joins us shortly. He has a dance hall in his house. I cod you not. As I'd say about my next guest, he's some man for one man. You know what I'm talking about, Kieran Phillips? <laughs> I'm the head friend. How are you doing, Jerry? Oh, it's great to talk to you again. I can't. This is some story. This is some story. It really is. Tell us the, the history of your dad and this old dance hall in Cornamuckle. Cornamuckle. What can I say? The, the Hill of the Pigs, Jerry. That's, that's the translator. The Hill of the Pigs. Uh, oh, what an area. We live in a beautiful area, Jerry. We have the, the mountains to the back of us. We have Carlingford Lock at the front. And as far as neighbours and friendship goes, Cornamuckle is the spot. Mm. Um, Dad boss, there was a small farm, maybe three or four acres, and this little cottage just at the corner of the road. And was always, from we were growing up, it was always the shack. Mm. And um, where do I see? Uh, all along, my dad, God be good to him, would, would, would say, God, that'd be lovely wee place. If you ever done it up, it'd be lovely. The Yanks would love it, this, that. So it sort of planted a seed over the years. And myself and... Neve decided to, we started to do a little bit to it, Gary, with the thoughts of maybe letting it out somewhere down the line mm. or whatever. And you know, the more we did with it, the more we fell in love with it. Right. So we ended up selling our own house and moving. <laughs> so, so what you've done is you said well, we're leaving where we are. We're going to the shack, as it was known. And the thing about the shack was people danced there, didn't they? People danced in it, Gary. It was always an old meeting, like a like a Cayley house um, at the weekends. And my dad told me a few times that he was like Dad would be a hundred now if he was alive or, or close close to it. Um, round about the turn of the century, and on the mantelpiece of the house, uh, on the old on the old whitewash, was written the rules of the house, which was no no spitting, no cursing, mind your own coat, <laughs> something else about the doorman. And all all dances in the ballroom are free. (laughs) And what you've done now round this beautiful cottage, you've built your house round this, incorporating it in. We've built it around it, Jerry. Um, And, you know, I'm so glad that we did. The council at the time gave me, oh, they put me through hell and back over, Jerry. They would have preferred to see it knocked. Mm. But... Uh, I couldn't, we couldn't. And even if you were in there at night, the fire lit, it nights in there on my own. Ah. I, can, I can still feel I, I know that I have the presence of people playing music and 
the old stone walls are still there. They're pointed and kept the way that the way the old fireplace is still there. And even still, that room is still full of character. Oh, they're there yeah. in spirit. I know they they're surround there. you. They do, they yeah, do. You've done something really special, Giron. Oh, it's lovely, Jerry. We're, we're, we're very happy to be in it. And, and uh, yeah, we've, we've really grown to love us. Uh, we, have, we did from word go, and we, we try to keep it old style, and we try to keep it uh, in keeping with with the old traditions and even still like maybe three nights four nights out of the week there's still music there all my kids play and there's always somebody pulls up and we have a few tunes sitting outside at night and uh, yeah yeah it's nice it's 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 really nice for the tradition continues Larry Hanlon on the squeeze box Sam Lowe on the fiddle the McCann's on the banjo all those names yeah Sam Lowe was a neighbour of my dad's and he had a cottage at the top of the road. His house is gone, Jerry, it fell in. But Dad said when he was a child, he could hear him. you could hear him all through the area. He would sit outside in the summer's evening and play his fiddle. Mm. And uh, it's a pity all them other things are going, you know. Mm. But it's you awful... have, you have something really <laughs> special. There was another dance hall, though, in Omid, wasn't there? Yeah, I don't know much about that one, Jerry. And people have put out the feelers on it. It was somewhere over in Ballyunion, which would be like... You know, Greer's Key were the were the the Carlingford side of the village. Yes, and I believe uh, maybe a family called Woods has owned it, and I think they danced in there at the weekends also. So, if anybody listening today, if this rings a bell with you about dancing yeah, in Omid, to know. Yeah, you want to find to out more. My father told me, Jerry, when he was when he was a child, he was up at it with his father. They sold fish and fruit and vegetables. And they said that there would be men selling calves at it on a Saturday night. They sold fish in it on a Saturday night. It was a gathering. And I had a lady called Pauline Slater. Her name was Smith. Her mum and dad actually met at a dance in it. And they were neighbours of ours all their lives. <laughs> so there was a bit of a mark there and the dancing on Saturday as well. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it's, it's all going on at it, Jerry, yeah. Yeah, God be, God be with the days. But that, there must have been nice, simple times then, you know. Oh, weren't they? When I think about the rules, when you said no spit, no cursing, yeah, mind yeah. your coat, <laughs> etc. Yeah, it's simple, yeah, wasn't it? It's a terrible way times have changed. You know? And you look at maybe the likes of the Carrick Dale or the Fairways or some of the big dance halls in the area now. <laughs> And where they could hold 500 people. Yeah. I don't know what the little room would have held, but it would have held 20, 30 people max. Mm. There was a little loft in it that the guys sat up, the musicians played in it. And I, I kept it there, or I, I did it up and, and tried to keep it as, as uh, old, old as, as we could, you know, or in keeping with it. Do you know that uh, you're living in a, a tourism hub? Your house is now a, a hub for tourism. <laughs> people will, you know what you've done here? People will want oh, to talk to you Jerry, and come in and see it. Jerry, everybody is welcome to my home. And I mean that. I mean that everybody is welcome. If they want to come and play tunes some night, if they want to come down and tell a story, a yarn, they're more than welcome. They're more than welcome. Yeah, I'm just at the bottom of the flagstaff there. It's, uh, as a boy told me from Colourville one time, just pull up and ask any father, or ask any child in the street where his father lives. <laughs> <laughs> I take back what I said at the beginning. You're two men for one man, I have to say now. The more I talk to you. Oh, Listen, w- well done to you. Great to give this an outing today on the show. I wish oh, you well. Thanks a million. And thanks, 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 thanks for, thanks for, 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 for the, the wee bit on the show, Jerry. I Not do appreciate all. it. Thanks You're so very much. welcome. Talk to you again, Karen. Take care. Bye. God bless you. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye. Wonderful Kieran Phillips there. He's just, oh, he's such a great man. He really is. And look what he's done now to preserve all that's there. Ah, oh, it's great. It really, really is. Now, coming up on late lunch tomorrow, Simon Fagan, lottery winner. Well, has this man a story to tell? He's joining me tomorrow. Andrew Dunn with his show Garden Live from Bloom and Art Agnew ahead of the uh, reopening of the Cavanagh Centre. All coming up on late lunch. But we leave you today with Amy Chute ahead of Eddie Caffrey taking the hot seat. Join us tomorrow, one thirty for late lunch. Here's Amy. See you tomorrow, Wednesday. I'm chasing trouble I've still to cross the line I'll be in danger But danger's what I like I think I'm digging The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drada, Dundalk and Cavan Check out the new sporty and spacious Renault Arcana in petrol and full hybrid Guaranteed delivery, low AP or finance and 48 hour test drive Visit BlackstoneMotors.ie 
It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.